Well, hello. Hey, man. We're back at the Bold Patriot. It's a wet, humid, muggy afternoon. We had a little bit of a, uh, I was about to say snowstorm. We had a little bit of a thunderstorm here about an hour and a half ago. I was afraid it was going to rain us out, but it cleared up. It got pretty um, crazy in my house. I don't know how it got. No, you were on this side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was bad on this side. Yeah, it poured for about 10 minutes. Hmm. Yeah. So that's our weather update. <laughs> you gotta do our intro, brother. Uh, Wait. I'm, trying, I'm trying to remember what my intro is. But I gave the intro. A to Z, no BS. That's the outro, Andy. That is the outro. All right. Look, Andy is already... Clearly I've lost my mind. He's it's, already messing up. It's been, a, it's been a day. Well, Andy is learning firsthand just what sort of mental and emotional sacrifices go into striking out on your own and hanging your name on the door, so to speak, as a small business. Right. So I guess I'll update everybody on that. Um, I am in the process of executing the lease, um, which by process means that there's just like a couple signatures and some exchanging of funds and keys, and then the, then the space should be mine. Um, there'll be a, like a, there's a, a grace period where I'll be able to get in the space and do some demolition of the current flooring and walls and add my own stuff and then get rubber flooring and turf and then um, add equipment so there's a process still so everyone's like oh that's so exciting I'm like it is exciting it's also a lot of phone calls and emails and paperwork and this and that so it it's a chore sure I'm not complaining it's just it's a chore to get it done so um, hope you know it'll be cool when it's done but and I'll be more excited once I'm in the space. But of course, right? It's right now. It's it's a job. Yeah, like anything. A lot of hoops. To jump um, right. Um, we talked about. I'm on a tangent already. Okay. Do you? What's your mentality about working this late in the day? Like coaching this late in the day, not podcasting. We're drinking beers right now. This is fine. I am not having a bad time. What is your mentality about coaching this late in the day? I do what I have to do. I mean, when I was working at Lifetime, which, by the way, I just learned is closing, but the particular Being, facility that I used to work oh, at. Oh, I thought you meant the whole chain. I was no, like, definitely hey. not the whole chain, but I think they're cutting off some of their smaller clubs, which is pretty crazy to think about. But, yeah, I mean... When I was back in Charlotte, you know, I would work, you know, the standard 4 p.m. to 7 or 8 or 8.30 p.m. Um, and it's, I don't know, it is what it is. I mean, if you're in that sort of environment and you've got back-to-back -back sessions and you're busy, uh, it's part of, the, part of the grind, part of the gig. But, I mean, obviously the older I've gotten... And, you know, now with the nature of, you know, training people in home, driving around, all that stuff, uh, I definitely try to minimize it. And I'm lucky in the sense that, I mean, obviously I have a session that I wrap up with at about 4 o'clock, which is why we record this at around 4.30. Um, and I really 
I, I would not want to be working past that particular point in time, you know, that three to four o'clock hour. It, you know, it's... We all accept it as fitness professionals as, like, burning the candle at both ends is, like, part of the gig. And then, at the same time, we all accept that the average tenure, you know, do you know what the average lifespan of a trainer or coach is? The last I heard, it was 18 months. Wow. I thought it was two years. Well. 18 months. So, the average lifespan of someone who does what we do is 18 months to two years. Now, why do you think that we've already tangent way, like, way off? We'll come back. I know what we're going to talk well, about. But well, what are you what talking are you... about? Do what we do. Because when I say 18 months, I'm talking about your, your churn them in, churn them out gym. You know, like, again, when I was at Lifetime, we had lots of folks come in for six months at a time. Like coaches. When you say folks, you mean coaches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have my theories for why. And and it's no accident that we're both self-employed. <laughs> well, it's pretty well, it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. I mean, the industry itself is brand new. There's there's little there's little structure to lean on. You know what I mean? So it's like if you want to be in the space uh, what like what do you do? Do you uh, study exercise science, kinesiology? Like, you know, you can go to PT school and be a PT. That's like, that's an established industry. And, I mean, they take insurance, right? So, I mean, that, yeah. that that's a whole other thing. So, when you're in fitness, you're in this industry where you have to prove yourself. You have to prove your mettle. And it's... I mean, at the heart of it, it's a sales gig. Okay. Or a branding gig when you get to a certain a certain point. But right. I mean, but I mean, like the whole point is, is most people, from what I've seen, who get into fitness want to be a trainer. It's because they love to exercise. Maybe they under, underwent their own physical transformation, and. They like helping people. Hopefully, they like helping people. Hopefully, they're a people person. I was gonna say that should be a. Re- it has to be a requisite. If you're gonna if you're gonna outlive the eighteen month lifespan, you have to like helping people. You or would think so. Might, I've seen plenty of people get hired who that was not. They don't like, like helping people. I just that was not in the top three motivation. What? How are you gonna even enjoy doing doing the job then? Who enjoys their job, Andy? I love my job, but he, well, here's the caveat. Here's why I brought this sure, up. Sure, sure you do. Here's a, here's why I asked that question because, and I keep making this joke, but anytime if, like between five a.m. and about noon or one, I never work a day in my life. I train a lot of sessions, but it is not work to me. It is fun. I'm in it, love it. All my people are great, but after lunch, I hate my job. It sounds weird. I don't hate my job, but it sounds weird. But like. If I have to go back in the and now I make exceptions for especially my like um, especially during COVID and, and stuff like that and some of my long term loyal clients if I need to make an exception I will and I'll go back in the afternoons but my personal enjoyment of the job is almost zero after about one o'clock in the afternoon mm-hmm. now let me roll this back a little bit not to sound like I'm um, bougie 
or too good to work in the afternoons. Early in my career in Nashville, I worked three fitness jobs. I would work about five in the morning till about 10 in the morning. I say I worked three fitness jobs and one volunteering job. So I would work from about five in the morning to about nine or 10 in the morning. Then I'd go volunteer for a few hours. And then I'd go back to work from about four o'clock in the afternoon or five o'clock in the afternoon till about 8.30, 9 o'clock. And I did this Monday through Friday. And I would work Saturdays and Sundays from about eight to 10 or eight to noon. And I did this for at least one year, all of that for at least one year. And then as, as my own business grew, I started pairing away these like side jobs or whatever. But so not to sound like I'm too good for it because I've done it, but, and we've talked about, we've talked about talking about work boundaries, but I just, I know that as a coach, I am skilled and enthusiastic between the hours of like five, 5.30 and about 12 or one. And then after that, I'm just, I'm beat. I mean, you know, being up and in the gym and coaching at 5.30 in the morning, I just can't bring the same enthusiasm or energy at 2.30 in the afternoon. Yeah. Or, or 4 or 5. Yeah. So that's why, it's a loaded question, but that's why I asked that question. Of course it is. <laughs> Every question you ask is loaded. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's it's proper work boundaries, and it's it's being honest with your lane, with your zone of, like, most usefulness your 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 zone where you can offer your your best service and right. for Andy that's any given morning but any given afternoon that's Andy time right and Andy can only be good in the morning if he has his afternoons and evenings oh, to himself like yin and yang like we talked about last week right yeah so in order for you know in order for us to give we must have we must have something to give, which means we must have our opportunity to refill our own cups. Oh, I love that you used that analogy because I was thinking it. <laughs> I was saying it because your cup just so happens to be empty. My cup is empty. Your, and your, that's not a pessimistic view. It is quite literally empty. Your beer glass, that is. However, your water cup is full. Is full. But I'll be careful because I don't want to break the seal if we continue to have beers. Oh, well, then I have oh, to leave the podcast. Oh, oh, we're, we'll continue. Okay. So, anyway, all right. So, random little tangent. Random little tangent, but, um, I mean, you are in this time and space of opening up your own facility where things are going to be a little bit more complex in terms of your responsibilities and scheduling and all that stuff. Sure. So, already you are building in this idea of you know, Andy's preferred schedule into the business plan. Right. Like nowhere, like you showed me the promo material and whatnot, and nowhere in there is there an option to see Andy after 12 p.m. Not explicitly. Not explicitly. But I will probably be, I'll try to be more explicit in like not after four. Right. And that's that's important. Well, and, and I, let me preface this with, because it will be my gym in my space and a greater responsibility I would like to maintain those boundaries but I also understand that the responsibility of it so if I have to go back and work in the afternoons and evenings I will obviously go back and work in the afternoons and evenings. but I'll try to guide over time try to guide that business model towards being front-loaded right um, so anyway okay want to talk about cooking now Andy's yes. Andy's eats. 
new segment new on segment. the podcast. You know, the nice thing about this is this is going to make me like cook, come up with a new recipe every week. Not every week, but like... The right? hashtag is now official, Andy's Eats. Oh, I'm going to put that in the title. This is a quite literal verbal reminder, so when I'm listening later to this podcast to put in the title... Hashtag Andy's Eats. Message to future Andy. <laughs> All right, so uh, the, the one I've, I've picked is one that my client Stephen sent me. Um, and it is a rosemary peach chicken and a white wine pan sauce. Oh, baby. It is. I've made it twice now, and it is very good. Um, so you need a cast iron skillet. Okay. Um, and you need. It says boneless chicken breasts or thighs. I do chicken thighs. And I do a bunch because I like mm, leftovers. Yeah. So boneless chicken thighs. Um, you need olive oil, uh, rosemary, um, lemon, black pepper, salt, um, flour, blah, blah, blah. Um, so what I end up doing is, I'm, I'm, I'm quite literally looking at the recipe right now because I have to I do this every time. Um, it will eventually go in the oven. So preheat your oven. Eventually. Eventually go in the oven. Preheat your oven. Um, then you're going to toss your chicken thighs in olive oil and salt, pepper, and fresh rosemary, lemon zest. Did I say flour? And, no, you, you and did And flour. Not say okay. So you're going to toss these chicken so thighs. this is not a gluten-free It is not a gluten-free you, you can get gluten-free flour. I don't know how it would, I haven't tried it. But, you know. some, some almond coconut flour? Yeah. So you toss your chicken, coat it, whatever. Yeah. Get it ready. Then you heat your skillet, and you... I So, I've been using pepper bacon. It has bacon in it. I have... I use pepper bacon, and I slice it into small strips. Mm. Um, not like not like bacon bit size. A little bit bigger than that, but tiny little strips. And I throw that in the pan, and I saute that up, and, and cook it through. And then, once it's cooked through, remove it. And then, I usually leave quite a bit of that bacon grease in the cast iron skillet... Not, maybe not all of it, because depending on the bacon and how much fat there is, it might be a lot of oil. But sure. whatever. So cook your bacon, remove it. Then those chicken thighs we just tossed, we're going to throw those in there Woo. and brown each side. Things are getting serious. For a couple minutes. Okay. Then, once you've browned both sides for a few minutes, you add water and white wine. And then you simmer for a little while. And it, I have to admit, this smells unbelievable when it's doing all this. It smells great. I think mean, it's the lemon zest and the wine and all the... Yeah, whenever you're cooking with the wine, right. it, it always smells great. So once you simmer for a few minutes, you got your wine and your water and your chicken and everything simmering a little bit. Then you're going to add that bacon back. Then you're going to add peaches. Curveball. Peaches. All right, so here's how you peel your peaches. And I've learned this. So peaches have that rind on them or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to get off. So what you do is you take your peaches and you toss them into a pot of boiling water. Now, I've been told 60 seconds, but having done this dish a couple times now, that's not long enough. So 90 seconds to a minute is, or excuse me, 90 seconds to two minutes is better. When you start to see the peach like sp- split a little, that's probably about right, if mm. not a little too far. But like it starts to split. Then you take them and you throw them in a bowl of ice water. Right. And then that rind just slides right off. And then you slice up your peaches. So you've got your chicken and your white wine simmering or whatever. Then you're going to throw your bacon on top, your peaches on top, mozzarella on top, honey on top, 
And then here's what I added because the recipe is what? Chicken and bacon and peaches. So I've been adding like little, um, like those multicolor sort of cherry tomatoes. Mm, mm-hmm. um, just to give it like a little extra color, extra flavor, whatever. Throw those in there. And then you throw the whole thing in the oven for, it says five minutes, I do about ten minutes. And then after that, you turn your oven up to broil and you broil it for about five or ten minutes when the peaches start to like blacken a little bit and that mozzarella starts to blacken a little bit you're good pull it out all right and serve it up all right it is amazing the recipe for anybody who's curious as a reminder is called rosemary peach chicken in a white wine pan sauce on halfbakedharvest.com and this is what i'm going to challenge you to do Oh, a challenge? Yes. And this a is a challenge. picture. I know nobody else can see the picture, but. Holy oh, and then, you, and then you top it. When it comes out, you top it with fresh basil. It, I mean, I'm telling you, it's, it's amazing. Bro. Yeah. All right, so what's the challenge? I, the challenge is, is, I would like to see, well, a couple things. One is, is, yes, even though we could all look that up on that particular website, how about on the show notes page on. Your website, andyvansc.com, is that right? How about on the show notes of this particular podcast, how about you list out the recipe for people's reference, and they'll get to check out your website. Okay. And or... And I can add some pictures, because I You can add pictures. some pictures. And, because you're so good on Instagram, how about the next time you make this, in other words, you should make this this week to help promote the podcast... Give us some Instagram stories of each step. And then, so that we can reference it more than 24 hours later, why don't you create a little highlight in Instagram called Andy's Eats, and you just add your recipe stories to that highlight that we can start a little recipe thread there. It's almost like you're asking me to hire you to do all my marketing for me. <laughs> remind me to do all this because I'm going to forget after this podcast. I'm going to forget. Of course, to do I'll all remind. This. So, you. well, you're going to listen so back. To I'm going to listen back to the podcast, podcast. But just to reiterate, this is, this so is current Zach talking to future Andy. Right. So I'm going to listen to, to this. do this. Right. So it'll be fun. So start cooking. Take a lot more pictures. I'll do some boomerangs too because boomerangs are fun. And you know what? Do some do some talking videos. Talk us through it a little bit because. Obviously, you have no problem with your voice being on the internet because it's all do, over the internet. We do a now, podcast, right? So, as you're cooking, do a little bit of narrating. Help us, you know. I just want to help us go through the recipe together. Not that anybody on this pod who listens to this podcast is going to be surprised, but I'll probably cuss during this. That's part of what makes Andy's it's- eats. Drizzle so some, special. Drizzle some fucking honey on those peaches, brother. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right, yeah, man. I can do that. Uh, yeah. And and here here's what I'm thinking, even, even longer term from here. This will be a fun little way for people to listen to the podcast and also cross-interact on Instagram, on social media. Sure. They can make it themselves. Hashtag Andy's Eats. We can see how other people's honey peach chicken turns out I know I'm going to make it I'll send you the recipe I'm salivating just thinking about it and 
maybe over the course of time when you build up, you know, and again, you take recipes that are already out there and that's great, but you're a natural chef yourself. So you do a little tweaking, you kind of make it your own. And then maybe this is something that you could turn into like a tradition for your, you know, clients at the new gym. Like, hey, like a recipe of the week, recipe of the month, That's whatever. That, like, actually, I'm trying, I want to do a recipe of the week kind of thing. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. And I do like to, and, and it would inspire me to be looking for new recipes to try. Mm. Um, and I have some that, I, like, that I'll revisit. There's this, um, there's another, like, chicken one that we've done that makes, like, this roux. It also uses white wine and capers and stuff, and it's really, really good. Anyway, I'll revisit some, but I like to try, like, new recipes. It's stimulating. It's like anything else that's, like, yep. new. It's stimulating in its own way. It's what it gets you out of your own, like, routine. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll listen to this one a couple times so that I remember this process of documentation and stories, highlighted stories, and all that. Okay. Heck, yeah. And then you could give it, like, a snazzy name. Like Andy's Eats? Well, I mean, you could give the recipe a snazzy name. Oh, Rosemary, chicken, and shit. <laughs> That's maybe a good first draft. <laughs> we'll come back to the drawing board on that one. <laughs> right, right. All right, all right, I can do that. Yeah, man. Yeah, so, exact, well, so, it, it, this might be a little bit of a reach. Tying this theme in this conversation back to what we were first talking about, which is the high turnover rate in the fitness industry. right. In many ways. When we're talking about individual trainers, we could be talking about individual gyms, we could be talking about fitness fads. Like, why is there always, like, this turnover? Why do certain things last? Why do other things go by the wayside? You've got to kind of strike this balance with, like, knowing what you stand for, knowing your stuff, being an expert, putting your own mark on things. So... Like, I think part of the reason why a lot of trainers don't stick around longer is because, you know, they may have checked the boxes with, like, you know, your ACE or your NASM certification or whatever, but they don't have their own spin on fitness. Now, I'm not saying that you have to come up with, like, a new fad kind of thing or whatever, but, like, you have to have a certain amount of experience, both with yourself and really with other people, to kind of to kind of make it your own. You've kind of got to be an artist in this way. You've got to take the same basic exercise science that's in the books, all the bro science, all the capital S science, and you've got to make it your own somehow. And if you stick around long enough, that's going to happen automatically. Right. But you also kind of have to be a little conscious about it if you want to deliver a unique service. And that's exactly, again, kind of going all the way back. Like, if you're going to open up your own facility, that's something that you really need to be aware of. And you need to be aware of how you're communicating that to your prospective clients and even your current business as well because half of even a service business half of it is a service but half of it is also the story that you are imparting 
on your clients. And a lot of that has to do with your your own unique style, your own unique interpretation of stuff. And I see how, even though you, and, and rightly so, you bill yourself as a no BS, bare bones, simple guy, simple coach, trainer, strength and conditioning 101, I can still see how you, you maybe even subconsciously put your own spin on things and how you communicate. And it's all, it's all unique because it all comes from you and it all comes from a very deep well of experience. Right. Well, I'm glad that you used the, that analogy with, and cause it's not the first time I've heard like cooking and training, like being similar as far as like, you gotta, you gotta follow the recipe before you really know how to tweak the recipe. You know, like when you start out, when I started cooking, I, I probably made up some stuff, but and it was okay. Well, I really, I actually very much enjoy following a recipe. I, I like, because what it does is it takes away the mental, especially the end of a long day. Like, all I need to know is the ingredients that I'm working with and then the list that tells me what to do. And so I enjoy the process, but I don't have to, like, do the mental gymnastics to figure out how to put together an awesome dish. Now, once I've done it, once or twice or three or four times, then I'll start to tweak this and that. And it's the same with, like, coaching. Once I've done somebody else's program or somebody else's programming, or once I've done um, or, like, run through somebody else's workouts or somebody else's style, then I can start picking and pulling things that I like, don't like, and sort of, you know, again, it's like cooking. Once you've done something, somebody else's coaching, somebody else's programming, somebody else's style, then you can start to put your own spin on things and then... After a while, it just becomes an organic version of, you know, I guess there is no recipe book anymore. Like, it's your own cookbook. Right. I've created my own cookbook. I call it with my clients, you should typically call it a playbook. Right. But what I try to do with my clients is know that one day they'll probably leave. And so if I can give them as much of my playbook, which is not, like, secrets... If I can give them as much of my playbook along the way, then they're as equipped or, or well equipped to move on on their own. Right. Same thing with like cooking or taking cooking classes. It's like you got to learn the rules. You got to learn like how to time things, do things a certain way. You know, julienne slice. You know what a julienne? 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 You know what that is? No. I think it's um, it's like when you cut vegetables into like matchsticks. Oh. That's a Julie. Julie, we'll call it the Julie. Okay. Because I'm I'm confused right now. Point is, you got to learn some of the rules and have fun with it, and then like you can start to bend them a little bit. At least with cooking. Now I've heard baking. You can't fuck around. Like baking is like very precise, and if you fuck yeah, around, yeah, baking is is more science. Right. So right. this doesn't apply. This analogy doesn't work with baking. Follow the rules in baking. Sure. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> well, even with baking. You know, when you're baking a cake, the creativity comes with the icing. Okay. You could say. You know, one of my clients is like one of the premier cake people in Nashville. I did not know that. Uh-huh. We'll actually be sharing a wall at the new gym. Leland Riggins, yeah. Dessert Designs. Wow. Anyway, yeah. Stellar. She, she cool. makes a stellar cake. She's And the sweetest woman ever. Oh, of course. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. 
We'll I'm, have I'm her ex- on the podcast and be like, talk about cake. I'm excited <laughs> to, uh, hopefully she'll bake you like a happy new gym cake. Oh, that'd be sweet. Well, that's See, this is why I want to do like a, a grand opening in this space. Have food, beer, cake. That's a great way to kick off a gym. Hell yeah, it is. <laughs> Fried foods, beer, and cake. Dude. Beefcake. That's that's got you written all over it. There's also a, a Baskin Robbins in the same like complex. Uh, anyway, all right. So yeah, I'll do all my. I'll start yeah. doing my cooking thing. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm okay. excited to follow along. I can do that. And again, to go back to our first line of conversation, what would kind of separate the weed from the chaff and actually maybe help? you know, new trainers create a sustainable career or even decide if they want to make this a career is if they had to go through something like a mentorship where for, you know, your first six to 12 months, you quote unquote had to follow a recipe. Maybe you worked under another coach. Maybe you shadowed a series of other trainers. Maybe you went through more extensive training because we all know right now that the barrier to entry almost doesn't exist. Yeah, it's a very low bar. I wouldn't even say that the barrier is low or that the bar is low. I would say that there is nothing. I would say that any person could show up at a park and have people do burpees and he's a personal trainer. Or say five reps and he's a personal trainer. You you know what I mean? Right. Technically. So... There has got to be, well, again, that's, that's just one of the reasons why this is such a transitory uh, industry, because there isn't that built-in tradition of f- having to follow the recipe, having to subject yourself as a, you know, intern or as a mentee, you know. Again, because you don't necessarily have to have a four-year degree to do this thing, and even if and when you do, the actual practice is different from the you know book learning. But those who have the opportunity to intern at maybe collegiate strength and conditioning gyms, or like even in your case, you volunteered at a high school strength and conditioning program, if there was more of that tradition in strength training or in personal training in general, it would be a way more robust career in industry. I agree. And, and the fact that it's not a requisite and I, I, and I mean, it's hard work. I mean, showing up at five and six o'clock in the morning and coming back at night is hard especially for entry-level pay in this industry. like There are a lot of factors that tee new trainers up for failure on the whole. Um, and you really got to love it, or at least you... Um, for me, it was just, at least earlier in my career, it was like a survival thing. That's why I worked three jobs. It's like, I have bills to pay. And I didn't get a master's degree to just, like, fuck off. You know, so I made it work. It was important enough for me to, to, to make it work, which is part of the reason I volunteered at those high schools. Right. Um, so, and, and I'm not saying that's a requisite to like be successful in this industry, but I think at the entry level, most people think it's going to be like a breeze, cakewalk, have a lot of fun, whatever, and it is not. 
I I love it. I enjoy it a lot now. In like the last two or three years, and we're talking about a ten-year career. It's gotten to be like a, in a great spot, and I have a hell of a lot of fun doing it in the last three or four years. So it took six years, not eighteen months or two years. That breaking point. It took six years to get to a point where. I was having a lot of fun doing it, and then the business sort of grew organically. I sort of hit this critical mass, and then it kept expanding and growing. So, yeah, it took six years, not mm-hmm. not eighteen months. Um, right. You got to be in it for a while before you can be, you know, slaying. But yeah, and, then, and again, I love it. Like I wouldn't want to do anything else. But I just going back to the original question. I just know I'm not that good or enthusiastic. I'm not providing the same service to my afternoon evening clients as I am in my, my morning clients because I'm physically and mentally exhausted so I just know I can't deliver what I'm asking clients to pay me for mm-hmm. um, so we'll see yeah. what a little we did not plan any of that did we except for the Andy's Eats thing that was very off script off the cuff that's how we operate man I know it's nice I would I would this, operate on another beer, but this is not a high, high production scripted. So it makes it so much fun. Here. Leah said our last podcast was five stars. Woo! Thank you, Leah. Much appreciated. Right? Yeah. Do you want to talk about why we do it this way? Because there's been, you know, whenever you venture out on some sort of new project, which I mean, podcasting is new hat for Andy. Right. It's somewhat old hat for me, but still, it's it's a project. Good, that's I would love another round. I'll do the Nathan Hale. Nathan Hale. I'll have another blonde. You got it. Thanks, Thank man. I was like, I've been lag- lagging on coming around and checking on you guys. Oh, that's yeah, all right. No we worries. still have 30 more minutes. We're all good. <laughs> I'll know if we have 30 more minutes of content in this today, Andy. Well, I don't know. We just spent 34 minutes off the cuff. I, I think know. we're okay. I know. Um, I so you a little faith. So, yeah, so, you know, I mean, I mean, it's funny. Everybody has, like, opinions. Everybody's got an opinion. Mm. It's just like other stuff. Everybody's got one. Doesn't mean you need to hear it. <laughs> Doesn't mean we need to hear it. Okay. You know, it's like, hey, uh, you tell your social media channel, hey, I'm starting my weight loss journey, or I'm starting my fitness journey. Everybody's going to have an opinion. Oh, you should do CrossFit. Oh, you should do Orange Theory. Oh, you should do Paleo. Oh, you should do Keto. Oh, you should do... X, Y, and Z. How about you let me figure it out for the first six months? Or you let me find something that works for six months. Then we'll worry about getting fancy. So when we're talking about like the podcast, to bring it back to our particular example, this is what is sustainable. We show up at a social place, we hang out, we have some some good times, some good conversation, and the barrier to entry, so to speak, is incredibly low. We literally just pull out these handheld recorders out of our pockets and we hit one button and we just go to town. I dig it. It's easy, it's sustainable. And what counts is, is the fact that we can do it, that we can stack these wins, Mm -hmm. we can stack these episodes, we can stack these habits. So, 
that is a very powerful lesson that can be applied to to almost anything. So like we didn't say, hey, we're going to start a podcast and we're going to go set up, you know, mixers and microphones and laptops. We're not doing a video version of the podcast. No. We're not going to a studio. We're not we're not dressing up for it. That's what the mobile part of this is my favorite part. Sure. Sure. So, it's a lesson in just being very practical. Right. And just doing, I don't want to say the bare minimum, but but doing what works even when it's not fancy and even when it could be better. Sure. I mean, there's always going to be room, room for improvement. There's always, of course. Yeah. Of course. There you guys go. Appreciate you, brother. Nathan Hale. The Wobbly Table. <laughs> Thank That's you, right. sir. We're making it work. Thank you. Appreciate you. Cheers, guys. Cheers. I will say the new blonde that they have here at the Bowl Patriot is pretty good. It is good. Pretty, pretty um, good. I had one, and then I had um, the Nathan Hale is my go-to. It's very popular. It's a golden coffee ale. It's delicious. Um, no, you're right. Like to your point, and this is something that I. This might sort of uh, sort of butt up against another topic, kind of similar to what we were just talking about, like with the whole cooking thing, like with. Following a recipe, there's guidelines, there's steps, there's, for lack of a better word, there's rules. And it, I think it's, this is something you and I probably run into on a daily or weekly basis, where we get a question that a client is asking and they want a black and white answer. And in fitness, there's never really a black and white answer. There's nuance. And so sometimes I'll answer the question in a black and white way, and I won't say it depends. I'll just say yes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll flesh out the it depends thing. Um, but I think most people will find success one of two ways. The simplest, easiest, lowest barrier, like our podcast, will allow you to be more consistent will allow you to, to show up and do the thing. Now, after you get used to doing that thing, comfortable with routine, it will probably expand into something else. So, like, my wife right now, she goes to the Y every day and rides the bike for an hour. I think, I think an hour. Um, and she's lifted weights before in the past. Like, she knows how to lift. But right now, that's what she wants to do. That's, that's her thing. And she's making measurable progress there. Um, and she really enjoys it. So now she's she was, like, a once or twice a week maybe at the gym person. Or once or twice a week at the house. Like, we have some equipment at the house. Once or twice a week at the house. Now, she's a five-day-a-week person, which is great. So that, I assume, will expand eventually. But for right now, she's enjoying what she's doing, and she's consistent. And she's going in the morning. We had always talked about, I think the mornings would be better because by the time you get home from work, you're too tired and you never want to go. So flip it over. So we've worked through this a little bit. So, yeah, right now it's just a very simple show up, ride the bike. And then come home, shower, go to work. Yep. And um, going back to what I was saying about the rules thing, with new trainees, this is always a difficult conversation because I think some people operate very well on rules. Like the keto diet has, we'll say, we'll call them guidelines. Keto has a certain set of guidelines that are very easy to follow, like a recipe. Is it the 
most optimal approach for most people? I don't know. Does it work for a lot of people? Yes. So this is where it gets a little dicey. If someone says, should I do keto? My question or my answer is usually going to be, I understand the guidelines and I understand the restrictions. So if you think you can follow it and it's easy and you like it, do it. Let's let's do it. And, and it's a jumping off point. It's like this podcast. It's a start. Yeah. And as you get going, if you find that keto, you know, you're like, uh, you know, I'm really not into this. I've given it the good old college try. I've been doing this for a couple months, but I don't like it for this reason or whatever. Then we can shift. But you've given it a try. It's kind of like the recipe. You've done. You followed the guidelines for a while. Now you're ready to flex out of that a little bit and say, well, you know, I've, I kind of like these other foods that I want to add to this recipe. Or I have these, you know, these restrictions with my lifestyle, and I, I would really like to add in, I don't know, what can you not eat on keto? Carbs? It's probably a bad example. I mean, because you, you can't add anything on keto. Biscuits and gravy? Right. I want biscuits and gravy, but I can't eat biscuits and gravy. I can eat the gravy probably on keto, maybe, and there's flour in it. I can't yeah, eat biscuits yeah, and gravy flour. on keto. I can eat the sausage. Point is... I like biscuits and gravy. If after a while keto doesn't allow me to eat biscuits and gravy, I'm probably going to be like, ah, how do I fit this? Right. Um, so I have difficulty with this, like, following the rules versus not following the rules because I don't follow the rules as a coach all the time. But I learn the rules first. Right. Yeah, you have to learn the rules before you break them. And, it, I mean, it's funny. Again, relating this back to, like, business. And in a roundabout way, again, with like the new trainer type situation. You know, a lot of times, because especially in the past couple of years, I've done some business consultation or some marketing consultation. And there's always this conversation, again, oftentimes like when people are fairly new, like, hey, like, should I start my own business? Should I start my own gym? Should I start my own maybe like, you know, like online coaching company should i start my own youtube channel should i start this should i start that and the answer is (laughs) answer is hey if it makes the world a better place yes i'm all for it should you start yes you should start (laughs) see that's the tricky thing is you should start but let's be let's be on the same page with with what starting means right because it's like okay have you soul have you do you have one client that that you've even just that you've even just worked with for free for more than three months, then we can talk about starting your personal training company. You know what I mean? Or you know, again, like I mean, obviously, someone like you opening a gym makes all the sense in the world because you've gone through the gauntlet of ten years in this business. You already have business. All you're doing, you're not even starting a new business. You're just moving it. You're just moving it. Right. So it's so it's it's kind of an easy conversation. You know, people wanna, you know, again, like like YouTube. Oh, I wanna start like this big YouTube channel. Are you even good on camera yet? Have you even made like an Instagram story? Have you put your face in front of your phone yet? Have you taken the smallest, simplest, easiest step to like give us some proof of concept? That's that's what I'm all about. Proof of concept, let's see how it works in the real world with a the taste, then take the next step. 
Hmm. And that can be applied to so many things. Business is obvious. Training is obvious. Let's honestly take step one. And step one should not be a life or death big deal. Step one should always be like easy. It should be like dipping your toe in the water. Let's see how the water feels. Sure. Then take it in sequential steps. And when you have patience and you have that sort of attitude, that's how 10 years can go by like that. Hmm. And suddenly you find yourself in a, a cool position, a position with options, whether that be in training or business. You know, again, even though we're both sitting here busted, Right. <laughs> Our options are a little bit limited for obvious reasons. But because we've put in the years of training, we have options with our training. Right. We can, if we really wanted to, maybe not me, we could maybe train for a marathon. Mm. I hate running, so. But you don't want to. But if you had to, you could. If you wanted to train for a CrossFit competition, if you really wanted to, you could. A powerlifting meet, an Olympic lifting meet, a Spartan race. Any number of things, if you had as almost any sort of physical goal, you have the baseline to jump from. Right. Well, and that, you know, I'm just thinking about this. Like, in fitness, that's a cool thing. It's like once you have like a, like a giant base of fitness, you can really pivot and do a lot of different things. Like, again, like, Play by the rules, know the rules, break the rules, spend a lot of time under the bar, and then after a while you're like, oh, well, I can pivot in this way, or I can tweak things in this way. So, like, same thing. Once you've cooked a thousand recipes, it's a little, e like, you know, you start getting used to the tools and the timing and, like... Prime example. Hey, should I open my own restaurant? Well... Have you ever cooked? Have you cooked for five people? Right. Have you cooked for 10 people? Right. Have you thrown a barbecue? Well, in the irony... Have you thrown a dinner party? All of this is, as much as I love co coaching, I actually avoided for a long time. Um, now, a couple years ago, I, we, I tried to potentially move into a gym space and it didn't work out. But And actually, I had an opportunity like seven or eight years ago, and I wasn't ready for it. So I have deliberately avoided opening my own space for a long time. In part because I didn't need to, but in part because I didn't want to take that responsibility or, or whatever. I liked being mobile and, and being able to pivot, but, I mean, it's about time now. You know, I've exhausted the, the format that I was using in the past, and I'm ready to, to do something different. So sure. hopefully it'll, it'll move in the right direction. But all that is to say, just like cooking, just like training, put in the time, and then you know, like, when you can pivot, when you can make changes, and when you can tweak this and that. And then, again, you know the, like, kind of know the rules and the guidelines. Like, yep. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's a principle of life. Right. So obviously that translates into any given endeavor. You know, something else I was thinking about, if you have Andy's Eats, I need my segment. I need a segment. What's your segment? I don't know. You Ooh. made that baller um, tomahawk the other night. Oh, sure. Well, yeah, bone-in ribeye, yeah. Well, I think a tomahawk is a bone-in ribeye. Is it? See, I don't even know my steaks. I thought a tomahawk has like a, a big long bone. It but does. I guess if the bone was cut longer, then that's what it would be. Right. Oh, I think a tomahawk is a ribeye on one side and a 
thought a tomahawk was like it was like one cut on one side and one cut on the other. So the cut is all on the same side of the bone. Because when you when you're done cooking it, you you stand it up and you slice along the bone no. to take the meat off. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. It's my favorite steak. Like I make a baller tomahawk. I love it. Tomahawk's easy. I can talk about that one. I can do tomahawk steaks on my Andy's eats. All right. Well, you know, yeah. I like I do a reverse sear on it. So anyway, of course. And I have my tools. And my meter. Yeah. So. Um, I am about halfway through the book Mastery by uh, Leonard, George mm. Leonard, I believe. So not the Robert Greene Mastery. No. Which I've listened to on audiobook four or five times. Really? Which is a favorite. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I trudged through that book. Really? Yeah, oh, I, I never finished it, actually. I figured you'd be a big fan. Mm, 75% of the way through, and I, it just it got to be repetitive. I was like, I get it. It, in a weird way, this is this is where this is where you and I differ. In a weird way, this podcast could be called Mastery. I would whether it's at becoming that's a bold. coach. That's pretty bold. Becoming oh, a this coach. particular episode. Yeah, not the podcast. I'm sorry. The part this podcast episode sure. could be called Mastery well, because yeah. it's all about starting from scratch and learning how to do the thing, and then right. like as you get more skilled, being able to pivot, break the rules, bend the rules, whatever. That's yeah. basically the gist of this podcast. Whether you're a new coach. New trainee, new chef. Not to yep. be confused with chief. Chief, no, definitely not. <laughs> well, yeah, so that's another thing that made me think of this is because a lot of these themes are in this book. So maybe once I'm, um, or yeah, maybe next week. It's, it's a pretty short book. I might be finished with it by next week. Maybe I'll bring it in and peruse some of my highlights and I'll, I'll share. Okay. Yeah. I could do that. Yeah, that'd be fun. And then um, maybe you could finish Homo Deus. Maybe you could finish zero to one, and you could give that back to me. Actually, I've been meaning to give it back to you. I never finished it, but I got the gist of it, so I can give it back to you okay, today. Actually, yeah, there you go. It's in the car. Yeah, along with a couple other books. But anyway, yeah, well, cool, man. Yeah, maybe we could share our, our book highlights. I just haven't been reading as much lately. That's okay. I don't know. Like, I, I have been sort of like getting back into it. I was crushing. I say crushing. I've talked about this on the podcast before. At one point in my life, the idea was to crush books, and in like in our maybe because I just I'm in this industry, but there's this weird again. It's like sort of like self masturbatory where a bunch of people in our industry are like, I listen to audiobooks on two x speed so that I can crush eighty books a year, and I'm like, is it about the eighty books a year or is it about like quality content consumption? Because it feels like it's the former and not the latter. Which is why I don't get all that upset that I don't finish books at the rate that I once did. Two times speed is amateur hour, Andy. Come on. I'm on three and a half. No way. I'll show you. No way. I'll show you. Three and a half speed. Listen. How do you... I can't listen. That's too fast. (laughs) You You can handle it. All right. So anyway, I have an issue with that. And I love books, don't get me wrong, but I actually like physical, as much as it kills trees, I like physical oh, hardback, go. paperback copies. No way. This is, uh, let me see. Keys to master. Several things dovetailed in my mind, and at once it's true. Yeah, you're definitely not doing that. Come on, bro. Concentrate. There's no way you're... Yeah. Concentrate. No. All right, so... 
All right, so well, let's tie this back into the podcast. What would be the point of finishing books on 2x speed? What are we trying to do? I can't stand to listen to people talk on 1x speed. That's just me. All right, well... People talk too slow, I myself guess, included. I guess, I, I'm a slow talker. Unless I'm giving a presentation at MTSU, and then I'm like... I'm like, my head's spinning at the end of that presentation. I give talks to By the way, the next time you do that, you should film it and release it as a podcast. Or record it. I could do that. Release it as a podcast. Well, there's a lot of visuals. It's a PowerPoint presentation. Anyway. Listen, while you're doing it, set your set your little task cam up and hit record. Right, but when I'm, but there's a lot of visuals. It's a PowerPoint project. Oh, it's PowerPoint. PowerPoint. Oh, okay. I mean, it's it's been recorded on like on uh, Zoom or whatever. But Is it on YouTube? <sighs> Buddy, no, it's not on YouTube. <laughs> I could ask Dr. Grubbs. He'll probably give me a copy of it. Sure. Ask him. And just upload it. Ask him. Quite literally, the podcast. Here's the funny thing about tying it into this podcast episode is that I quite literally talk about my roundabout way of of getting to where I'm, like, where I am professionally now. Like, I talk about my education and how I was going to be in, like, PT school and I declined PT school and I tried a bunch of different shit and, like, sort of fell at, like, like, backwards into what I'm doing now. And then my, the, I tie in the whole uh, presentation episode by telling students to get involved as early as possible. These are all exercise science students, like freshmen, sophomores, some juniors. Right. And they're all trying to figure out what they're going to do with their degrees. And I'm over here like, I don't know what you're going to end up doing with your degree, but start trying to figure that out now. Because what I did was I didn't even start volunteering to like gain like experience until I was like second semester senior year. Pivoting that late is a hard pivot. So what I was telling these students, I was like, look, you have nothing to lose here. You gain experience way ahead of graduation. So if you want to be a great candidate for whatever, like let's say you're going on to get a master's degree or become a physical therapist, you get an assload of experience, which you need as part of your resume to apply to these PT schools. And then if you don't like physical therapy, which I realized that I didn't like my second semester, a month before graduation, and right after I had applied to PT school, is that you can pivot much faster. Let's say you spend three, six months, you know, do, like doing internships or whatever in PT clinics and you hate it, abandon it, and then try strength and conditioning or cardiac rehab or whatever. That's the whole point of that conversation. Yeah. Is whatever you think you're, you might be interested in, get involved now so that before you graduate, you've like got experience and you're well on your way and you've got a robust resume or whatever. Like, It'll tee you up for success. Don't do like I did and have an awkward conversation with your PT school and be like, actually, I don't think I'm going to come. That's literally what happened. I was like, actually, I don't think so. Thank you for admitting me. I'm not coming. Peace. Right. Thanks anyway. I just tossed the phone. Didn't even hang up, I just threw it. So. And thus, AndyVanSC.com was born. Right. Basically. Yeah. So. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, I give those those talks to those students about once a semester, and it's the same thing. It's like whatever you want to, whatever you think, just start. If you want to start cooking, just start. Doesn't like right. Prove a concept. If you want to do step. grilled ham and cheese and tomato soup, which was almost what I was going to do tonight for dinner, but then plans changed. Start with grilled ham and cheese and tomato soup. It's awesome, and it's so easy. And then graduate to rosemary chicken. In a white wine sauce. <laughs> you know? Yep. There are no there are no rules. 
You can do whatever you, when it comes to cooking, you can do whatever you want. When it comes to fitness, you can probably do whatever you want. Just start. Yep. When it comes to marketing, just start. Just start. Bruh. And we're at 55, 56 minutes. Ye have so little faith. Crushed that one. I'd like to think so. That was a doozy. You're telling me, man. All right, so is there anything we need to wrap with? Absolutely not. Just start. Whatever, just start. Whatever your jam is, just start. Just start. Prove, prove it to yourself. Don't worry about anybody else. Prove it to yourself every step of the way. I mean, how does Andy finish so many beers? He takes the first sip. <laughs> it's one sip at a time, man. Sometimes I'm in awe. It's like, how does he do it? But you know what? Just like anybody else, he just, starts with the first sip. Just start with one sip. Oh, I do have to ask you. Have we talked about this on the podcast? Do you tongue your glass? Let's find out. What do you mean, do I tongue it? So when you take a sip... As the glass and the fluid hits your lips, does your tongue rest on the edge of the glass? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is a thing that we've talked. I've talked about with friends before, like whether or not they tongue their beer glass. Well, yeah, so that you don't get a giant gulp. Yeah. So yeah. you don't drown yourself in beer. I mean, it's one way to die. <laughs> and he's like, ah, oh, this is not so bad. I just just fill me fill a bathtub full of Nathan Hale. And now just wallow in it. I'm not a pelican. Yeah. I use my tongue. I mean, I can chug a beer. I just choose not to. Especially, like, no, I'm not going to chug that. No. So, when when you're drinking a beer that you don't want to chug, you use your tongue to dam some of the liquids. Right. Because right? when I funnel beer, which has been a long time since I've ever done that, but... If I were to chug a beer, you, you would bite, like, yeah. drop your tongue, right. open your gullet like a snake or whatever, and just calm. Right. That's... I can chug a beer. I don't like. To, I don't know why I would anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, you bypass the tongue, if you want extreme fast consumption, tying it back into the entire theme of this conversation, when you're young, and you, all you want is to be drunk. You slam beers. You just start chugging. That's all you want. Water beers, but as you get older, you might develop a taste for, or have a, a, a greater uh, flavor profile, and enjoy the slow simmer. Enjoy the beer. Enjoy the flavor. Hang out. Have a good time. It's not about getting drunk. It's about enjoying the process. Cooking, training, marketing, fitness. Enjoy the process. You don't have to chug your way to the end, the finish line. Just get in and just start taking small sips. Let's wrap up there. Oh, that's a good one. A to Z, no BS. We'll see you next time. Bye.